Psalm 119 is partly our theme this morning that uh, Jim will be talking about. Now, these verses are not in sequence. Uh, the, the, um, the verse numbers will be shown on your screen. And, of course, as G uh, Richard's mentioned, there's a pretty long chapter um, in the Bible, 176 verses. And this will be commencing verse 69 and then various verses throughout Psalm 119. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I will keep your precepts with all my heart. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish the prosecutors or the persecutors? The arrogant dig pits to trap me, contrary to your law. All your commandments are trustworthy. Help me, for I am being persecuted without cause. The wicked are waiting to destroy me but I will ponder your statutes. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. I have done what is righteous and just. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Ensure your servant's well-being. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. Redeem me from human oppression that I may obey your precepts. Trouble and distress have come upon me, but your commands give me delight. Those who divide wicked schemes are near, but they are far from your law. Rulers persecute me without cause, but my heart trembles at your word. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Jeff. Now, when you heard Psalm 119, I was wondering if you got worried. If you were part of my Connect group, we took four or five weeks to uh, look at Psalm 119, but we will not be looking at all of that today. So, let me get this working. What we're going to be looking at today is the godly habits of the mature believer. And our scripture text for that is coming from Psalm 119. So let's pray before we go any further. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to gather into your house. To worship you in song. To worship you in our gifts. Lord, to hear good reports of what you are doing in our schools and around the world. Father, thank you that we can be a part of your ministry. A small part, but a big part, Lord, in the lives of many people in this town and around the world. Father, as we open your word today, we pray the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. In your name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was asked by my boss, that Word of Life, to um, teach on the core value of 
godly habits. So Word of Life Australia has five core values, and I, I was asked to preach on them. So my first question was to him, why me? Why did they ask me to teach on the godly values or the godly habits, one of our values at Word of Life? And I thought, my age. So now I'm a little bit mature. I'm a little bit older than, um, than Davinda. Uh, not as old as some of you here, but I'm a little bit older. Um, and as I was teaching the students, uh, our staff member, some of them weren't even born when I arrived in Australia. You know? And I'm supposed to talk with them with godly habits. So I found a couple of verses. Um, and, and you'll notice it's highlighted in gray. I read on Logos. And now as I read my Bible on Logos, if I find a verse talking about old age, I highlight it in gray. Um, the steps of a good man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds him by his hands. The psalmist writes, I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. And then Psalm 71, verses 8, uh, not those references up there, what I have up there? 17, 17. I have 11 in my down here. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and, I, and to this day I proclaim your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and to all who are yet to come. You know, to all of us who are a little older, one of our responsibilities is to set the example for those coming up and behind us. So Jeff, yeah, you set the example for me. I pray for Jeff every day. Uh, he's 85, and uh, he's, a, he's an encouragement to me to continue to stay faithful. So core values. Um, Probably something relatively new to me. I mean, we've always had values at Word of Life, but Word of Life Australia, unbeknownst to me, last year set five core values. So I want to look at, I, I Googled, what are core values? And this comes from seek.com. If you've ever looked for a job, you've probably been to seek.com. They said they are personal values that guide your behavior, decisions, actions, they, they are a compass that help, helps determine what is right and wrong in different situations. Your values often reflect principles that are important to you. So they tend to form a large part of your identity and how you see yourself. But values just aren't relevant to your personal life. They also play a role in your career. And then a fellow by the name Nicholas, I can't say his last name, said this. And you can replace the word value or company up there with church. Core values are help what support the vision, shape, and culture and reflect the company's values or the church's values. They are, they are the essence of the church or company's identity, principles, or beliefs. 
or philosophy. So when I was in November, I was at the Word of Life conference, one of our uh, directors of overseas preached on core values. And just this week, the big boss of Word of Life sent an eight-minute video that he wanted all the staff to look at about core values. Have you been to the Baptist Association? And have you seen the core values of the Baptist Association, which enhance our core values? So the, the five values they have is Christ-centered, mission-shaped, relational committed, people empowering, and partnership oriented. And with the Baptist Association, all of their core values, they have four or five sub comments. And I have copies of it here if you would like it. But one of the core um, comments that they, they say their core value of Christ-centered is relying on the Bible as a foundational, uh, as foundational to the shaping our understanding of Christ, faith, and the world. So that's what we want to do today. We want to look at the core value, Word of Life Australia's core value, one of it is godly living. We want to look at the core value of godly living by looking at godly habits. So why did they pick me? Well, maybe they thought I had some godly habits. So we're going to see three things. We're going to see the need for godly habits. We're going to ask that question, what is a habit? And then I'm going to share with you some things that I have learned or I am learning about godly habits. And I was thinking about this this morning as I was reviewing my message. The Apostle Paul had no problem to tell the Corinthians, follow me or follow my example. To the church of Philippi, he said, follow me. And so we as believers, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should be able to stand up and say, follow me to the person behind you. And I'm not perfect, but I'll share some things. So the need for godly habits. Psalm 119. So how many, how many verses in Psalm 119? You should know this today. Say it. 176. 176. Now here's a question for you. When was the last time you read Psalm 119? If you're my connect group, when was the last time you read 100, Psalm 119? We did. Well, you were away. And nobody that was there. Oh, man. Um, Sandra remembers. Uh, oh, that is good. That is good. That is good. It takes you about... 15 minutes to read it, okay? Who wrote Psalm 119? Who do you think wrote? Richard, who do you think wrote Psalm 119? I one of the priests, yeah, could have been. A lot of people will say David. Some people say Moses. I don't think it was Moses. Some people say Ezra because maybe put together when he put the scriptures together. Some people say Jeremiah. And I kind of lean to Jeremiah, and I'll share with you that a little bit. So, well, oh, I should push this once in a while. Okay, everything else is coming up. Okay, what do you think the theme of Psalm 119 is? All right, the Word of God. And a lot of people will say that, the Word of God, because of the 176 verses, all but three are writ have uh, reference to the Word of God. They use eight different words. They talk about the Word of God as the law, the Word, the sayings, the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, the precepts, the testimonies. 
maybe even the word way, so there may be nine words, just depends on how you take that Hebrew word. And each one of them has a little slight difference, and it would really be good to, to study it. Do you know Psalm 119 was the, what we know it definitely was inspired, and it was the only scripture written for us in like what we have is verse form. So there's 22 sections of eight. So I don't know the Hebrew. So the first Hebrew letter, Richard, is ah. So the first eight verses, we would call them start with ah. Allah. Thank you. He's my expert in, in Hebrew. And then B and stuff like that. And it was written to be memorized. My director's mother, who's older than me, is memorizing Psalm 119. All right, so what's, why? Why did the author write Psalm 119? Ah, almost every commentary that I have read, the, comment, the comments on the difficulties the author was facing, and this is from the American, New American Commentary, he says, he is, was surrounded by wickedness, pursued by, the, by arrogant, and proud, humbled by sorrow and disgrace, yet his refuge is in God. He constantly cries out to God. He retreats to his shadow and finds solace in his strengths. Now we'll get back to that. But Jeff read for us the uh, summary, um, well, read for us the troubles of Psalm. 119. It'd be interesting when you read it again. Read it a few times in a row and start looking for key words. So just a quick summary of those troubles. People were making up lies about him. Jeff read the verses. The psalmist was being persecuted. People were trying to trap him in some way. He, he is being oppressed in some way. He, and you see that trouble was hitting home. He is, being, he is feeling the pressure that's going on. So as you read this psalm, we know it's about the word of God, but it's more about what he is going through. And so another word that comes up quite a lot in the psalm is the afflictions of the psalm. So I have five or six verses that I like to read. The psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. The afflictions, the troubles, the lies, the persecutions was afflicting him. But before that happens, he was losing his way. And then he says, it was good that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. If your law had not been my delight, I would have to perish in my affliction. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord according to your word. When I look upon my affliction, or look upon my affliction and rescue me, for I do not forget your word. So I asked a question, what do I mean by affliction? So I Googled synonyms, and I have eight different, or I have a bunch of different synonyms here. It says tribulation, sorrow, distress, pain, sadness, Trouble, unhappiness, difficulties, suffering, trials, temptation. And I googled synonyms for uh, affliction. 
and I found websites with seven and the one up to almost 243. Don't we go through a lot of afflictions in life? Can you identify with any of these things that happened to you this week? So the word affliction, according to the Baker Encyclopedia Bible, anything that causes pain, distress, or suffering, or calamity. Afflictions are those things that come into our life on a regular basis. They could be as minor as sleeping through your alarm clock or as major as being fired from your job. It could be as minor as catching a cold or as major as having major surgery. It could be interpersonal relationship problems to being disowned by a loved one. We have the troubles. We have the the affliction, uh, um, thank you, the word that won't come out right now. And I want to look quickly at the meditation of the psalmist. So, uh, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts. My eye, and fix my eyes on you. Even though princes plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love. I will meditate on your statutes. Let the insolent be put to shame, because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I have more understanding than my teachers, for, you, for your testimonies are my meditations. My eyes awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. So I asked the question, why does the psalmist meditate? And I put a summary here. His love for the word of God and his desire to walk or to obey the, the word. He, wanted, he loves God's word. He wants to obey God's word. So what does he do? He meditates, dwells upon it, thinks about it. So when does he meditate? And I have down here at night before he goes to bed or a night shift. You know, all those miners who work in the middle of the night. Maybe he awakes in the middle of the night. Uh, that's been happening. Leonie and I were talking about 2000. 23 was one of those years. I woke up a lot. Linda would hear me go to work at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. But other times I'd sit there and I would meditate. When faced with great opposition and, con and conflict would drive him to the word of God. What are some of the results? Some of his results, he had great insight and understanding the way of God's word. So I talked about the theme. I want to put this forward to you, that the troubles of the psalmist and the afflictions of the psalmist drove him to meditate on the word of God, which in turn gave us this wonderful psalm. And remember, we're looking at the need for godly habits. Why do we need godly habits? Well, the psalmist had all kinds of troubles lies, persecution coming against him. That sound familiar? He had afflictions. But what happened with life 
drove him to meditate on God's word. So the troubles that he faced, the afflictions that he faced, this is why we need God's word. This is why we need godly habits. I love the very last verse of Psalm 119. So 175 verses, he talks about God's word in almost every one of them. Listen to what he says about himself. The last verse. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. This man of God who was driven because of his troubles and his afflictions, he meditated on his word of on the word of God. He knew how sinful he was and how easy it was for him to go astray. And his last little prayer was, Lord, seek me like a shepherd. Seek your lost sheep. Guys, we need godly habits in our life. So what is a habit? So from um, Cambridge Dictionary Online, a habit is something you do often, regularly, something without knowing that you are doing. So I got some questions about habits, and I don't want to have any um, spousal fights here, okay? So what are some habits? What habits that other people do that annoys you? Anybody have habits that other people do that annoy you? Anybody willing us to share? So I have one written down. Mar Austin was a college roommate. Um, now, he was brilliant. In fact, when I was coming over to Australia to teach in the Bible Institute, the president of the college says, you want me to send you Lamar's notes? Go, this time he was teaching Bible survey. Lamar Austin, he's a good friend, but every month he puts a picture of all the books he has read for that month. And I want, it annoys me. Maybe it annoys me because I don't read that much. All So here's another question. Who taught you your habits. Nobody's willing to talk today. Well, you know, some of your habits your mom and dad taught you, you just learn by observing. And I got thinking, because this is talking about godly habits, I got thinking in quiet time. Who taught me how to do my quiet time? Uh, well, so some people, you know, so word of life. When I first got saved, and I'll talk about this in a minute, they emphasize doing quiet time. Godly leaders have taught me. I would say the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, what habit does your spouse wishes you had? Say that again. How big is a piece of paper? How big is a piece of paper? So we know Vicki has a lot of habits she wished Richard has. So I found one out on my 40th anniversary. Alrighty. I had this bad habit. I take my clothes off, I put on the end of the bed or on the floor, and I leave them there to the next day. And Linda, we get married for 40 years now. Linda says to me, why don't you pick up your socks? Usually it's just socks there. You know, I don't see those things. So now, now, 99% of the time I put my dirty clothes in the hamper, right? I'm not perfect. That's, that drives her crazy okay now here's one what habits do you that you that, what habits do you do out of love for your spouse if well 
Do you have any habits that you say, you know, I'm going to do this because I love you? I have one. Linda likes me to squeegee down the shower and to wipe it. And I do that for her. Monday night, we're going to be in a hotel room. I am not squeezing down that shower or I'm going to wipe it. I hate doing that. But because I love my wife, I make it the habit 99% of the time to squeegee the shower. Oh, here's one. What habits do you have that upsets you? Do you have any habits? I have, I have one. I got a lot of bad habits. I have one. Okay? So I have no self-control. So if I pick up a bag of pretzels, and I love pretzels. Allie's makes the best pretzels. My mother would ship me pretzels when I first came to Australia because 1986, you couldn't buy pretzels here. But if I take a bag of pretzels, I'll eat the whole bag. No matter how much I say to me, I'm only going to eat a little bit, I'm only going to eat a little bit. So what I have to do, I have to take some pretzels and put into a small dessert bowl and try not to go back to the refrigerator. I had other things about habits, but I had a messy with the kids. I had to learn a new habits. Guys, we all have habits. And there's nothing wrong with doing some things out of habit. So... I wanted to share a few things that I have learned about godly habits or that I am learning about godly habits. I love ING words because, guys, I am not perfect. In fact, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, when I was at Word of Life, Word of Life is on a hill. And so I used the idea of explaining the word learning. It's like you, you carry the basketball up to Ivan's house because Ivan lives on top of the hill. And you drop it, and it rolling down the hill. So we, we never learn, never past tense. It's something that we're always doing, we're always learning. We can always get better and better and better. And then as I was giving that illustration, I looked at Scott. And I said, and Scott is such a great Christian servant, he'll pick the ball up, and he'll carry it all the way up if it rolls down the hill. And that's our running joke now. Scott's not going to pick up the ball. But we need to be helping one another. What habits that I am learning? And again, guys, Paul, I'm not special. I will fail. I will make mistakes, especially even after today of talking about about, uh, godly habits. But Paul told people, follow me. Follow me. And every one of us who know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we are to be developing godly habits in our lives. So we can tell the younger generation to follow me. So being in the word of God. So my story of being in the word of God. I accepted Christ as my savior in July 1975. I was at Word of Life Island. I was a young adult having a camp. And that's where they impressed upon us of having our quiet time, what we call our quiet time, our devotions. And Word of Life produces quiet time diaries, and back then it was very basic, you know, and I went and I remember I bought one and took my Bible, the old King James, this 1975, there wasn't many translations, and I went to the, you know, it's, it's an island, 45-acre island in the middle of a large lake um, about nine miles long, and so I would, big rocks, I would go there, and I distinctly in my mind would learn to have godly habits. And then um, my church, three weeks after I was saved, so now this is middle of August, they asked me to teach 
the uh, seven, eight, and nine Sunday school class. Leadership, don't ever do that. I didn't know much about the Bible. But what I did know, I didn't like the curriculum that they had. So, word of life, I read the Gospel of John. So, I started teaching the Gospel of John. So, it kind of forced me into the Word of God. A good friend of mine, his name was Jim, or his name was James. My name was James. We decided to start a youth group up. Guess what book we decided to teach? You probably heard me say this before. We taught the book of James. You know, we picked it because his name was James. I knew. We knew nothing. But these were things that got me into the word of God. And the ch- our parents, our, my church that I went to was kind of a weird church. But one thing the pastor did, probably September, October, there was a group of seminars called Basic Youth Seminars. So it was Monday night, Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, three to four hours in Philadelphia. We had to take that drive down all day Friday, all day Saturday. And he went through basic con- uh, principles of the word of God. And one of them were ma- was making a vow. And you know, I'm thinking in my mind, why is he going to why talk teaching about making a vow? But the next session set was reading the word of God. So sometime in 1975, I made a vow. Don't do this unless you know about vows. I made a vow to read the word of God five minutes a day for the rest of my life. I haven't been perfect, and I'll give an account to, for God for that. But basically, I've been in the word of God little bit every day and it's something I'm learning and getting more and more and more and if you've been here before and you've seen me preach you've seen this before four ways that you should approach the word of God for your devotions this is your quiet time this is your prayer time this is when God speaks to you it's that time of sweet communion it's when you listen for that still small voice from his word. It, it may be a section of scripture that you read every day, a psalm. You know, if you read two psalms a day, you'll read the book of Psalms four times in a year and have a few days off. If you read five psalms a day, you'll read the book of Psalms um, once a month. You just take that, maybe it's a devotional book that's from some great author that you take and you just read where you just spend a little bit of time communicating with your Lord and your Savior. And that is great. You need to be doing that. And so right now I have a dog. And our dogs learn to take walks in the morning. So I'm sitting there doing my quiet time. You know what he does? Pokes me. Takes his nose. Pokes me. He pokes me. And it's the debate. Who's going to take him for a walk? He disturbs my quiet time. But anyway, for information, this is where you just read the word of God. Don't raise your hands on this, but how many of you have read the Bible through Genesis or Revelation? I said, you have to raise your hand on that. Richard never listens. Probably can't hear me. Yeah. I challenge you. Do you read the Bible through? I'm in the book of Leviticus right now. I love Leviticus. I love the book of Job because of the many times we're just reading it or listening to it. This is how I get my, my Bible reading in. I put my earbuds in. I walk the dog. And we need to learn. It wasn't until recently that the church had copies of the word of God in comparison to history. They had to learn to listen, learn to listen. 
And that's for knowledge, for understanding. That's where you study the Word of God. That's where you, you get out your dictionary, you go to Google, watch the websites, you go to Google, you ask those questions, you get the commentaries out, you, you, you read in the book of Psalms, you know, you read that every day for a month, you'll notice things and you'll say, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? It's Psalm 119. And then by memorizing the Word of God. We need to be memorizing, and I'll tell you why in a minute. We need a habit that I am learning and still learning of being in the Word of God. Another habit that I am learning, and that is to pray. And I've written down here, this is a lifelong process. And Lord willing, next Saturday, men, are we going to meet? Next Saturday, Lord willing, 7.30, there's a group of us, a small group of us who meet. You're welcome to come. We're here for an hour, and basically all we do is pray. But prayer. So in 1988, I had the privilege of teaching the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. So it was just before lunch. I'm teaching what that verse means. And I said, you know, it doesn't mean standing there with your hands folded or being on your knees. It's being in that attitude of prayer. You ever have those times when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you hear the voice of God? So we left the classroom. I'm walking down to the dining hall to have lunch with the students. I get to the swimming pool. And I heard, didn't hear the words, but I heard the Holy Spirit say, you hypocrite. Now, I've been saved now 75, you know, 13 years. My prayer life was up and down. You hypocrite. I wasn't a good prayer. So that year it started to change. I used the swimming pool. Every time I walked by the swimming pool, I looked for somebody I could pray for. And if there was nobody around I could pray for, I prayed for the campers that either have been or will be coming. So I started praying. And then we had the Bible class in 1989. Now, this was a class. We went to a church, and they preached on praying, and all of us were convicted. And we would be, this is a volunteer, those who wanted to. After church, we always had a service Sunday night. Afterwards, about 10 o'clock, if you wanted to get together, you would come down and a bunch of us would pray. And sometimes it would go to 3, 4 in the morning. Uh, Monday was a day off. But we learned to pray. And, and I thought about putting a picture of my spreadsheet up, but I, but I didn't. So if you've been to my Connect group, if, you're, if you've been one time to my Connect group, you're on my prayer list. And I pray for you. You're on my everyday prayer list. And many of you here are on my everyday prayer list. Devinda is on it, but he's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, one of those days, probably two or three times a week, I pray for the SRE teachers, and, and Devinda in particular. Uh, the missionaries are, of the church are probably spread out through the week. And I, I, Anyway, we need to pray. And then I ask this question. What habits that I wish I was better at? And you know, I talked about Lamar Austin. I wish I was better at reading good Christian books. Um, I'm, I'm getting better. Uh, I listen to a lot of books. I wish I was better at that. Another one I put down, I wish I was better at witnessing. Now, I know how to preach the gospel, and I know how to share the gospel. You know, sometimes you just, uh, my boss is good. He can go put petrol in a car and end up have a witnessing system. You know, he, he has a, I'm not that good at that. I wish I was better at that. And then I have down here some habits that 
Yeah, there it is. Habits that I wished that I started earlier in life. And one of them is praying with Linda. And even this week, what, maybe only once, we prayed together, you know, besides praying at the meal. Um, and we did really, wasn't it COVID that we started really praying together. There'd be other times, you know, through the 40 years of marriage. But I wish I was better at that. And then meditating on the Word of God. And 2023 was a year that I learned to meditate. Just when I taught Psalm 119 to my Connect group. You know, I, so not only memorized. When I was in Bible college, we had to memorize a lot of verses. And a lot of them still stick with me. But thinking about the Word of God. So many nights I get my app out, the verses that I'm memorizing. And, and, and I look at them and I go to bed and I try to dwell upon them. And I say, how do you close a message like, like this? So I decided to put my aim. My aim in ministry is still in young people and old, the confidence to continue in their faith through high school, in a university, and beyond by studying the word of God together. Let me encourage you guys to stay the course in the word of God. Stay the course in the church of God. Paul wrote for us in 2 Timothy. He says these, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. For now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward me on that day, not only to me, but all but to all who crave his appearing. Guys, and may the Lord just help motivate all of us to stay in those godly habits of being in his word, of praying, of witnessing, and being in his house. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the psalmist. Thank you for the author of Psalm 119. Lord, thank you for the challenge he has given to us, the blessings he has given to us of being in your word. Help us all to continually be developing the godly habits we need in life. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.